So my buddy Mel and I have talked quite frequently about the fact that we have these beautiful daughters, right? we got to protect these beautiful daughters. And a few weeks ago, Mel showed up to church. I took a picture of him wearing this shirt. It says, yes, I do have a beautiful daughter. I also have a gun, a shovel, and an alibi. Amen, Mel. Yes, I agree. Dad's in the room, man. We have united around this truth, right? One of my favorite things to say when someone talks about my daughter getting married in the future or this is, is just, I am not afraid to go back to prison. Like, I'm totally good with it, okay? So I'm happy to take care of the daughter, whatever needs she may have. Um, have you ever felt like you were in prison? Not a literal prison, but have you ever felt like you were sort of just, I don't know, confined when you were even free? And I think some of the things that we can be confined to are, are things like, Religion. In college, I was in two prisons. The first one was called religion. And what I mean by that was, even though I knew Jesus and I had a relationship with Jesus, I was trying to do so much to perform for him. I was trying to do so much. And one of the things I could think of going back was I had actually heard of a preacher who around the time I was in college began to talk about how, you know, God calls us in the scripture to, you know, to tithe or give a tenth of what we have. But then he kind of added something to that idea And he said, hey, what do you think about maybe tithing your time, you know? So in other words, uh, if you, you you know, give a tithe of $100, it's 10. But if you give a tithe of your day, that's two hours and 40 minutes. And so this idea was, okay, maybe an interesting one to challenge people to spend time with Jesus. But it became a rule for me. And I began to try every single day to make sure I spent two hours and 40 minutes with Jesus. And it came a lot about literally looking at the clock and minutes and and hours and making sure. And I had a little log and I would write down the time I had spent to make sure I was pleasing God in this way. And it just became so religious. It became so much about rules. And now listen, spending two hours and 40 minutes a day with Jesus is a beautiful thing. But when you're doing it, looking at the clock, when you're doing it, making sure that you're, uh, you know, checking off that box, it's a whole other problem, you know? And soon, those kind of religious chains around me in college just overwhelmed me, and I became just honestly uh, a real jerk. I was a punk. I looked down at people who weren't keeping up to my idea of what was right and what was wrong. And what is so funny about it is that while I was stuck in my one prison of religion, I was also stuck in another prison that I want to call rowdy or crazy or uncontrolled. Because at the same time I was doing all my religious things, I was also somewhat of a mess. And in college, I was the most impure I've ever been in my life. I was the most self I've ever been in my life. I was the most jealous I've ever been in my life. And I was the most cocky I've ever been in my life. So isn't that interesting that at the same time, I was stuck in these two prisons, one of religion and one of rowdy, one of out of control. Have you ever found yourself in one or both of these prisons? Let's talk about that, that, that prison of religion first. Religion really is man's attempt to earn God's favor by keeping the rules. And I'll tell you something, and you know this, if you are there right now or if you've ever been there, it is exhausting, isn't it? Oh man, it's so exhausting to try to keep this favor with God or find this favor with God by keeping all the rules, you know? And when we believe that God loves us one minute and doesn't so much the next, or he accepts us one minute and not so much the next, man, that can become so scary. And we begin to fear God, not in the healthy way. You know, the scripture tells us to fear God, but that really means to revere God or to to be in awe of him. But man, we become afraid of God when we're religious, right? And when we begin to wonder if, you know, our entrance to heaven is based on how we act, that's a scary place to live, isn't it? It's kind of like having a gun to your head. And man, exhausting. Is this your story? Do you, do you say today maybe you're a prisoner or a slave to this idea of trying to perform for Jesus or you're trying to earn something for God, you're trying to make sure he'll still love you tomorrow? 
Man, it's such a weight to carry, isn't it? It's a prison at the end of the day. Now, some of you guys might say, you know what? I, I, I don't know that I would take it that far, Doug. I don't know that I would say I'm a slave to religion. Maybe I was once a slave to religion. But, but one of the things we're going to see today and throughout this series is this idea that I think more of us wrestle with than we realize. It's this idea that when it comes to Jesus, it's really the equation is Jesus and something. You know what I mean? It's not just Jesus. It's not just Jesus that saves. It's not just his acceptance that is all that matters. No, it's Jesus and something else. Remember when you were a kid? And you'd be in the pool. I don't know if it was your dad, your grandpa, your uncle, your older brother, a friend. But remember when you used to like throw each other? You know, you remember those moments when you'd be like, dad, or, you know, grandpa or or uncle, you know, I want to jump up on your knee. And then I want you to throw me in that pool as far as I can go. And remember what your dad or your uncle or your friend used to tell you? They would say this, I'm going to count to three, right? You guys remember this? I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, not only am I going to throw you, but I need you to push off my leg with all that you have, right? And, and if you just kind of let dad or uncle throw you, you went through so far. But if you stood up at the same time, remember that whole equation? It was this whole thing as a kid. And you stood up at the same time, and you'd go like another few feet. Well, I think that some of us think, oh, Jesus, let me kind of crawl up on your knee there, and you count to three, and you do your part. But on three, man, I'm going to do my part too. And watch how far we're going to get Jesus, right? It's that Jesus end idea. And I think some of us wrestle with it more than we realize. And so are you today finding yourself in that prison of religion, even if it's just the Jesus end side of it, the Jesus plus something that saves you or saves me? We're going to talk about that today and throughout this series. But, but maybe there's this other prison that you more find yourself in today, and that's that rowdy prison, man. You're just stuck to some of the things that make you feel like you're out of control. And some of you like it right now. Some of you are on a little bit of a temporary high doing some things, getting away with some things behind the scenes, doing some things you think nobody knows about. And there's this temporary high, but I want to remind you this morning, it is temporary. You know that, right? But there's some others of us who are a little rowdy today, stuck in that prison and a little out of control, and we're not enjoying it. In fact, we're a little scared right now. We're scaring ourselves. We're looking at maybe some people we love. We're looking at some relationships we have. We're looking at at some responsibilities we have. And we're realizing, I can't remain in this prison much longer and keep all this afloat. And you're a little bit scared. I remember as a kid, actually feeling protected and safe by some of the rules my parents gave me. I would have never told them that. But there were some times I would ask my parents, Mom, Dad, I want to go here or there with my friends. Can I go? And I was actually hoping inside that they would say no because I knew if I went with my friends there, I would do some stupid stuff that I would regret. And I remember actually feeling secure and safe in the protection of my parents from those dangerous roads that I was finding myself in while I was kind of in that rowdy prison for a season. And maybe today, I don't know if you're loving your rowdy prison or you're hating it, but there is a better way. And so today I want to talk about the freedom that I think God wants us to walk into. Whether you're in that religious place or that Jesus end place or that really rowdy place, or maybe you're like, you know what, Doug? I'm really not in any of those, but here's the deal. You love somebody who is, right? You love somebody who's stuck in that religious prison and you look at them going, I don't know, man. I invite them to church all the time. They're just so stuck in their own way. I can't imagine them ever asking Jesus to save them. 
Or you love somebody who is stuck in that rowdy prison, man. They are out of control. Not only are they scaring themselves, they're scaring you. And you're going, I just can't imagine them being free. I want to talk to you today about the freedom that Jesus offers, even to the most religious and to the most rowdy, whether that's you or somebody that you love a lot. And so what if we can be freed from both prisons? That's what Jesus came to do, you know. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would guess you found yourself in one of these prisons, haven't you? You found yourself there. You maybe woke up there today, and here you are wondering, what can Jesus do? What can God do for me? I'm so excited to share with you the way out of your prison. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 1 today. And you don't know this, but this whole series is actually a study on the book of Galatians. We're going to be in the book of Galatians for the next several weeks. We're not going to look at every verse because that would take us months to kind of go verse by verse through. But we're going to go through the themes of Galatians. And one of the main themes, really the theme I think of Galatians is freedom. It's freedom. It's this idea that God has purchased for us freedom and how to walk in that and how to stay in that. And so we're going to look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle... Sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. So what is this saying? Well, this is Paul's introduction. This was a letter that Paul wrote to his friends. And so he's introducing himself, just like you or I would if we were sending an email or a text, or though in today's world, I'm so sick of it. I'm just so tired. You pour your heart out in a text, and then someone just likes it. Like, what's that about? Right? I'm done with it. I'm done with it. If you send me back a like, I'm going to send you back a mean face. What do you think about that? All right? You need to respond with as much heart as I put into what I wrote to you. Just throwing that out there. Okay, I'm a little, need some therapy there. Okay, but I'll tell you what. Paul here is just saying, hey guys, how you doing? It's me. And I just want to set the record straight. And he brings up something really important because really the, the reason he wrote this first chapter was to prove to the people that he was actually from Jesus. He, his message was actually from God because some people have been saying it wasn't. And so he's saying, hey, Paul, it's me, or hey, gang, it's me, Paul, and I just want to let you know that, man, everything that I've been saying and doing, it's from God. It's not from me. It's not something I made up. It's not something somebody else made up. And then it says this, to the churches in Galatia. So Galatia was this place that Paul had a bunch of people he cared for. There were some churches there that he had shepherded, and, and he wanted to make sure they were growing. And you might be saying, Doug, what does this letter written thousands of years ago to some church, and I don't even know where it is, why does that matter to me today? Because this book could have been written to Long Island in 2019. I'm telling you. It's crazy how much this should matter to you and I because of the island that we live in. It's interesting when you begin to talk about Long Island, you begin to think about what it's all about, where it's been, where it's going. It's incredible how much of this idea of religion and rowdy is at play right now. And so we're going to dive into this here. And look at what he says in verse 3. He starts to hint at this whole theme of freedom. In verse 3, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. In other words, four verses in, Paul is saying, You guys need freedom. You are enslaved. You are imprisoned. But God came, Jesus came, to rescue you and I from that, I want you to think for a minute about what it feels like to enjoy freedom. We just celebrated July 4th as a nation, right? And some of us were very grateful for the freedoms that we have. And we felt something emotionally. I want you to think about that emotional feeling of deep breath, of I was a slave, I am now free. I was in prison, I am now free. I want you to think about that for a minute. When I was in seventh grade, the year was 1991, I had a girlfriend, I don't know how you have a girlfriend in seventh grade. We never went anywhere. 
We never did anything. We never sent each other a text or an email because neither existed. We had hardly any communication outside of church youth group, but I had a girlfriend. And in this process, the weight of commitment began to weigh on me. And I began to long for freedom. And I began, and it's so funny, it's so stupid, but it's so funny because I literally, this is 30 years ago, I could still feel the trap. I could still feel the weight of this relationship. And I remember one day I made the call and I broke up with this young lady. However, that went back in the day, probably a note, you know, a little note. Like, uh, am I breaking up with you? Yes, no. And I checked off yes and handed it to her, you know, I don't know. And so I remember, guys, it's so funny. I remember the emotional feeling of feeling free after that relationship, okay? Now, I know you guys all think this whole uh, lip sync battle thing, like, was birthed by Jimmy Fallon's show. It was not. It was birthed in Doug Jansen's basement in 1991 because after that, my friends and I, we always used to go down in our basement and we'd film each other doing like silly videos and we would do these lip sync battles and stuff like that. And after the freedom of this relationship breakup, I went down into my basement and I lip synced Leonard Skinner's Freebird. I am not making that up. And my friend Tom was in the background doing sign language of this poor girl's name of who I had just broken up with to experience the freedom. What's that emotion feel like for you? When did you really feel free? When did you look at something that you used to be enslaved to and then realize, I am no longer enslaved? You see, we're not talking about some silly breakup from a non-existent relationship today. We're talking about the fact that you and I were prisoners and Jesus died a horrific death to rescue you and me, to save us, to rescue us, and to make us his own. Are you walking in that freedom today? That's the question. That's really the question of Galatians. Are you walking in the freedom that Jesus purchased for you? Or have you found your way back into a prison? Are you really enjoying the freedom God's given you from religion and from rowdy? That there's a better way than both. I'm going to jump down to verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who calls you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And so he's saying here, hey guys, Jesus purchased your freedom and now you're running back to the rules. You're running back into those religious prisons. You're trying to please him. Now listen, doing the right thing is important. We're going to get to that in this series, okay? I'm not saying we're not supposed to do the right thing, but the, the struggle becomes when we feel this weight of religion on us that the only way God is going to love us today, is going to pay attention to us today, is going to bless our family today, is going to lead us forward in him, is if we're just nailing it. We're performing perfectly. We're getting everything right. And Paul says, hey, guys, you knew the freedom of your relationship with Jesus, and now you're running back into the prison. And then he goes on for a few verses, and he starts to talk about some people in their lives who had been confusing them, who had been negatively influencing them to, to go back to the rules and to get stuck back in that prison. And then down in verse 13, Paul reminds us of his story. And this is really what I want to highlight today. Because remember I told you earlier, the whole reason Paul wrote this whole chapter was to prove that his message was from Jesus. It was the real deal. It was life-changing. It was freedom for these people and for you and I too. And I think the most powerful part of his argument is what God did to give him personal freedom. And so he reminds us, he says in verse 13, it says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, 
how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I don't know if you see it, but right there in that verse, we find both prisons that we've been talking about so far today. Right? First, we see the prison of religion. He says, you've heard of my previous life in Judaism, right? And he was trying to keep all the rules, and he goes on in a minute, we'll see. He says, I was good at it. I was pretty good at keeping the rules. I was doing all right, man. I was, if it was based on works, then I was doing everything I knew to do. And I was excelling at it. Is that you today? Did you walk in here with a huge weight on you this morning? That, wow, if you're not up to par, man, he probably doesn't want you today. I mean, maybe he will tomorrow. We can get your act together, but not today. Or is it Jesus and? Jesus, uh, thank you for your sacrifice. But just so you know, the things I've been able to accomplish in the last week have been pretty impressive. And I just want to make sure you took notice because I'm sure if you did, then these things would go better for me and I'd probably have a little bit in with you. Or is it just Jesus? Are you stuck in that prison of religion today? But he also brings up this whole idea of rowdy. And the definition of rowdy is out of control or lawless or uncontrollable. It's so funny because you have him on the one hand saying, hey, I'm really good at the rules. And on the other hand, you have him saying, I was persecuting the church of God. Do you know what that means? Like Paul's the worst guy in the whole world. Paul was hunting down people and executing them because of what they believed. I know we, we may know some bad people here in the room. There may be some of us that have done some really horrible things in our life. I would say it's safe to guess. No one in this room and no one you know has hunted someone down because of what they believed and murdered them. That was Paul. Prisoner of religion. Prisoner of rowdy. Stuck in these places. Does that define you today? Does that define somebody you love today? You see, here's the thing. A lot of us as followers of Jesus, we know the end of Paul's story, man, don't we? We know the end of Paul's story. And so it's kind of like, well, all right, Doug, I know where you're headed with this. I know where Paul's headed with this. I know everything works out okay. But I'm looking at my son, you might say. And I don't know the end of his story. I'm looking at my spouse. I'm looking at my best friend. And I don't know if they're getting out of the prison of religion or getting out of the prison of rowdy. I don't know the end of that story, Doug. But here's my hope for you today. Paul was the worst in both prisons. His prison was bigger than yours on both counts. His prison was bigger than all those that you love, even probably put together. And so if there's hope for him, there's hope for you. There's hope for the one that you love. And look what Paul says next. He says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So Paul is saying, I was like the extreme case, man. There were not many people like me. There were not prisons as big as mine if you just sort of looked around. And then he goes on. And this is where we get some encouragement. And guys, this is our hope. This is your hope. This is the hope for your child, your spouse, your friend, that person that seems like they will never break free. This is the hope. Verse 15, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb. Can we just stop there? When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb. Guys, there was this plan in place from the time you were in your mother's womb to rescue you out of your prison. Did you know that? Have you thought about that lately? Like God didn't just come up with this last minute. 
Some of you guys might say, Doug, I feel like I've been serving a life sentence in prison. I want to let you know God's plan for you was at work even when you're in your mother's womb. The plan for how things would unfold in your life, the people he'd bring into your life that would cause you to seek him out, the people that invited you to church, the people that prayed for you, that praying grandma that most of us had, right? That was all a part of the plan when you were still in your mother's womb. Why? Because God wants you free. He wants you free from religion, and he wants you free from rowdy. He wants you and me free. And one of my questions for you today is, do you want that freedom? Like, Are you okay with your prison? And if so, why would you be? There is a better way. Then Paul says this, and he called me by his grace. He called me by his grace. Anybody in here ever get a call of grace? I want you to think about it. When did you receive your call of grace? Some of you would say, oh man, it was when I became a follower of Jesus. I was talking with my friend and they told me about this savior and this love and I put my trust in Jesus and I've never been the same. Some of you would say, oh no, for me, I I grew up in church, but man, there was a day where God just like arrested my attention and just gave me this such a clear call. That was my story. I grew up in church. And as I was a little bit older, I was in this band and we would kind of tour around and we were trying to tell people about the love of Jesus. There was just one problem. I was making some really horrible decisions while I was doing that. And so I'm up on stage doing my thing and trying to tell people about Jesus and then I'm off stage doing some horrible things. I remember one night I walked into a show and all I wanted to do was be this light for Jesus, but I knew, and it was like I was wearing my guilt all over me. I was wearing my shame all over me, just stuck in that prison of rowdy at that time. And someone came up to me that I'd never met before and looked me in the eyes and said, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus loves you so much and that you bring him a lot of joy. And it was the call of grace for me because I deserved a punch in the nose for how I was acting. That would have gone a little different. That guy came up to me and said, I have a message from God. When, right? Thankfully, I got the call of grace. When did you get the call of grace? That call that, you know, flings open the prison doors? That call that reminds you it's not about your failures or your successes? That call that reminds you that that prison that you're stuck in, that feels like you're so trapped and ensnared in that, that God's bigger than that? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I gotta tell you something. I believe God's doing that for some of you right now. I believe you walked into church today thinking, man, this is going to be boring, going to get nothing out of this, waste of my time, and you are hearing the call of grace right now. Jesus is saying something to you. Jesus is saying, hey, this is real. Jesus is saying, I have a great plan for your life. Jesus is saying, you think the prison of religion has led you somewhere, you are trapped, or you think that rowdy place you're in right now is a good thing for you, but you are trapped. I have a better plan way. I believe today some of your prison doors will come flying open as you respond to Jesus. And so we've heard Paul say about this God who had this plan from his mother's womb and was called by his grace, and then it says this, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul says, hey, you know what? My freedom isn't just about me. My freedom is to reach these other people. Gentiles is just a fancy name for anybody that was not Jewish. So that's most of us here in the room today. And Paul's heart was to go reach all those who didn't know Jesus. And that freedom came so he could help others find their freedom. Did you know that your freedom is not just about you? Did you know that? Your freedom is not just about you. It's about all those that God wants to use you to impact. 
And so if you're here today saying, man, I would love to be free. Well, guess what? God loves you so much and he wants you to be free. But he sees a way bigger picture than that. He sees all those that you will impact for him. And so don't be willing to stay in your prison of religion or rowdy for yourself. But also don't be willing to stay in there because you will be robbed of the impact that God wants you to have on so many. There is a purpose for your freedom that's bigger than you. So there's a, a lady who comes to our church. She's here today. Her name's Laura, Laura Weitzenberg. And, and she invites the whole world to church. Laura invites everybody to church, man. She sees somebody, hey, you should come to my church. Come check out my church. We've got to come to our church. We're going to have a thing, and there's a thing after the thing. You should come to that, and the thing, and the thing after that. And then we'll start a new thing, and you could be part of that. And, and she's just inviting everybody. It's so awesome. And Laura found freedom in Jesus, and, and now she knows that that freedom's about something bigger than her. And so she's constantly inviting people to church. Well, last Sunday... I walked out of the room after the service, and Pastor Ravone had been preaching that day, and I, I walked in, and I see this guy named Adam, and I asked Adam if I could share the story, and Adam's standing there, and he's talking to two of our guys, and they kind of all have look, this look of like a little bit of emotion. I mean, they're tough dudes, so I won't say who they were, but it kind of seemed like maybe there's a little bit of a tear in one or two of their eyes, because as Adam is unfolding his story of the day, we're all standing there blown away, because Adam, who came to Christ here, I think it was around Christmas time. Adam's been coming to church, and, and, and last Sunday he, he had plans to be somewhere else, and so he went wherever those plans were. But when he was there, he felt God tugging at his heart, you need to go to church, you need to go to church, leave. He was already there, so he looks at the people he's with says, I'm leaving. And he came to church, and he said, I sat in the service, and all of my questions about God were answered as Pastor Ravone preached. All those objections, all those things I was hurt by or angry about, God just spoke to. Do you see the power of what I'm talking about today? Laura found freedom in Jesus, pointed Adam to freedom in Jesus, and Adam's out there sharing his freedom in Jesus with a whole bunch of us after the service. Your freedom is not just about you. There is a purpose to your freedom that's bigger than you. And God so badly longs for you and I to walk and that freedom. Anybody with me about this? Anybody excited about this today, right? Don't we have to get ready to see God do some new things in our lives? Can we, can we just get a little tired of the prisons that we've been sitting in? Can we get a little bit tired of, of the things that we've just been accepting and trust that God's got something better for us? Then Paul talks about his message from Jesus. And again, he, he goes back to this idea of defending that his word is, is truly from God and that this gospel is the real thing and that Jesus is alive and has sent Paul and then he points back to his life again, which again, I think is the most powerful part of this. He says in verse 21, he talks about how he came to Christ and had this encounter with Jesus. And, then he, and he says, then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. I love this. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us, was hunting us down, was executing us, was approving of the deaths of Christians, was dragging Christians into prison. That guy who was in that prison, so to speak, is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Paul points back to his greatest evidence that his message is actually from Jesus. Just look at me, he's going. Just look at me. I'm the guy who is the horrific, rowdy prisoner. And I'm also the guy who is more religious than anybody I know. And both were prisons. Look at my changed life. I'm telling you right now, 
If you feel like you're serving a life sentence in one of these prisons, if you feel like someone you love is serving a life sentence in one of these prisons, Paul's prisons were bigger. And yet look at what God did. Don't sit back. Don't decide it's just how my whole life has gone. Doug, I've been addicted to this or that my whole life. Doug, I've been this way my whole life. Doug, this was passed down through my parents. Doug, you don't understand the household I grew up in. It's just the way we talk to each other. We, we were liars, Doug. We gossiped constantly. Doug, I, I got to tell you, man, I've been looking at screens, inappropriate images for the last however many years, God. Doug, I, I'm just, I'm a failure. It's just me. It's who I am. This is the prison door I live in. Every day I stare at it, wish I could get out of it. It's who I am. Or maybe, no, I grew up, man, we went to church every, forget every Sunday, we were there like six times a week, we went, we watched the janitor watch the walls, we were there every time the doors were open, it was just the way it was, but this whole thing about relationship and, and you know, I don't know, I think I do need to help Jesus out a little bit, I mean, you know, I got, I got to do my part, right, Doug, and I got to carry my weight, right, and I don't know which prison you're finding yourself in or defending maybe today, but I'm telling you right now, Paul's was bigger And the day came when that plan, remember the plan that was set in motion when Paul was still in his mother's womb? Remember that that call that he would receive, that call of grace that would go out? Remember that, that whole plan that Jesus had to take this man who was a complete mess and literally transform the world to this day? Remember that? There was that day. And he encountered Jesus. And prison doors went flying open. And I just want to remind you and I today that that's possible for us as well. And it's possible for that prisoner that you love. It's possible for that son or daughter. It's possible for that spouse. It's possible for that friend or that coworker or that parent. Watch and see. Watch and see what God will do as we call out to him for our freedom. See, the truth is, I just want to kind of summarize chapter one by saying Jesus came to save us from our prisons. Like that's what this was all about, right? It's not just a nice story. It's not just to give us a nice, you know, seasonal thing at Christmas time. It's not just to give us a nice Easter day. It's, it's not just to help us a little bit, encourage us a little bit. It's, it's literally to free us. He didn't just come to, to visit us in prison, right? He came to open those doors and get us out of our prisons. And so what prison are Are you sitting in? What have you been okay with? What have you allowed to contain you? Because God has better. You might say, Doug, but I just feel like, man, I'm like on the ground fighting this thing every day. It sounds great to have some help, but I feel like I'm the one in the trenches, right? I'm the one fighting this. Well, there's a, a military base down in one of the Carolinas, and in that area, there was this constant, loud noise of planes flying and, and, and marines training. And, and they literally have a sign there that says this, pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. And so you visit that town and you're just overwhelmed by the noise of these planes and the activity on this military base. But some of them explain those sounds are the music to the ears of marines who fight on the ground. Guys, you think you're fighting on the ground right now? You think you're engaged in the battle? You are, okay? You're there. But I just want to remind you you're not alone. They say the mu- that, that sound, those sounds are music to the ears of the marines who fight on the ground. For there is nothing marines like better than to have marine artillery behind them, marine intelligence in front of them, and marine aircraft overhead. Guys, my job today to remind you, God is behind you, he is in front of you, and he is overhead. And you are not alone in your fight. 
And man, it's hard sometimes. I get it. Sometimes it feels like we're in that battle for such a long time, such an extended period. But I just want you to know you are not alone and he is with you. And he is so able and he is so big and he longs for prison gates to go flying open. And I just got to remind you today that our prisons don't scare God like they scare us. And the prison that has your child trapped or the prison that has your loved one trapped, it it just doesn't intimidate God like it intimidates us. Your prison of religion doesn't scare God. He rescued Paul. Your prison of rowdy doesn't scare God. He rescued a murderer and turned him into a man of God. Your religious prison, your rowdy prison is nothing for God. In fact, there is no prison door that stands between you and Jesus that he can't open. Revelation says that God opens a door no one can shut and shuts a door that no one can open. Paraphrase, the door does what God tells it to. And if there are doors between you and Jesus right now, they don't have to stay. And if there are doors between you and your loved ones, or I'm sorry, your loved ones and Jesus right now, they, they don't have to stay. And so what do we do? I think we respond to Jesus and, and we, we become very real and we say, oh God, open my prison doors. Guys, we don't just do this once. We, this is not a one and done prayer, right? I mean, that happens sometimes where God just does a miracle in a moment and a, a prison door flies open, but, but often it's in that process. God is working. It's in the day-to-day. God is working. And we, like the Marine, we take some ground, right? And then we take a little bit more ground in Jesus' name, and we see him at work in our lives, but this is a, us going to Jesus. Oh, you have come to rescue me. You've come to open up those prison doors. Oh, God, please rescue me. God, I have been struggling with pornography my whole life. Please rescue me. God, I've been addicted to drugs or alcohol my whole life. Please rescue me. God, my my child has been addicted to those things. Please rescue them. God, I I have been a liar my whole life. Jesus, you've given me a new identity. I've been a gossip my whole life. I've been selfish my whole life. I've been that proud religious jerk like Doug was in college my whole life. Oh, God, set me free. God, set my loved one free. And then... God decide not to run back to the prison. Because that's what the Galatians' whole problem was. God would open up a door and they would run back. He'd open up the door and, and they'd run back and they'd become prisoners again. And that's why Paul had to write this book. There was a journalist who was over in Cambodia a few years ago and he walked into a, a place where there were prostitutes and he thought, I've got to do something about this. And so he figured out who was in charge and he had enough money to, to purchase the freedom of, of two prostitutes. And so he went up to the first and gave, I think it was $103 for this woman and, and she ran out. She was there against her will. She ran out to freedom. But then he approached the second one and, and it cost a little bit more for her. And she began to walk out the door and then she said, wait, 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 I, I, I sold my cell phone in here. Can, can, you, can you please purchase that as well. And, and so the man said, all right, and he reached into his pocket, and it was another $55 to, to get the cell phone back, and, and they began to walk out. And then she ran back in. She said, wait, 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 I also, I also sold off some of my other personal belongings. And, and she ended up running back into her cell and closing the door and locking it and weeping. And the man began to plead with her, and even the people that were in there, the other poor women that were also enslaved to this prison were, were saying, get out of here. And even the owner looked at her and said, take this chance while you have it. And so the man 
pleaded with her and pleaded with her, and eventually she walked free, but, but he went on to write, I don't know if she will stay free. And I guess the question for you and I is, is will we stay free? We have a God who opens prison doors, but, but will we run back? My prayer as we study this book of Galatians together over the next few weeks is that we'll keep coming back to this, this theme of freedom and we will decide, no, I'm so sick of my prison. I'm so tired of it. Oh, Jesus, rescue me from this prison of religion. You are enough. It's not Jesus and it's just Jesus. And oh, Jesus, rescue me from this rowdy, uncontrollable place I find myself, God. Point me in your direction. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to put your trust in him today. You've heard many times today about this Savior who came, this one who rescues, this one who died in our place, a horrific death, so that we don't have to say Jesus and anything. We can just say, Jesus, you are the Savior. You are the one who rescues me from my sin, from my death. I don't have to wonder day to day if I'm still loved. I don't have to wonder day to day if I'm still going to heaven. No, it's all about what Jesus did. And so if you want to put your trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to pray with me in just a minute. But all of us in this room, we got to leave here free. And we got to leave here ready to fight. We got to leave here ready to keep praying, saying, Jesus, as long as it takes, keep on praying this prayer. As long as I have to keep asking, I know you are before me, you are behind me, and you are above me. You have this. Because the truth is, Jesus came to free us from our prisons. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much and we praise you that you have made a way for us to walk free. And I thank you, God, there's not one thing in any one of our lives, God, today that has to keep us enslaved. There's not one chain that has to remain. And I thank you, God, that for those of us who have been stuck in that prison of religion, God, you are welcoming us to freedom. You are welcoming us out of that performance mentality and into that deep breath that, that huge weight lifted in a Savior who has given us everything we need. And if we're stuck in that prison of rowdiness and uncontrollable lifestyle, I thank you that just like Paul, just like this murderer, this, this literally horrific person that Jesus, you rescued in a moment and transformed everything. God, I thank you that that potential is there for us and for those that we love. So if you're here today, you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to pray about one of three things, either, either the prison of religion you might find yourself in or that prison of rowdy you might find yourself in or, or, or one or, or both of those that a loved one is trapped in. And I want you to get very specific and very bold in your prayer today, believing that these prison doors will open. He opens a door no one sh- can shut and he shuts a door no one can open. The door does what God tells it to. Let's let him open those doors in our lives today. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me right now. You could just pray this quietly, silently, even to Jesus. Jesus, thank you that today you offer me freedom. Today you offer me a new way. Today, Jesus, you offer me forgiveness of my sin. And today I don't say it's you and anything else that saves me. It's just you. And I long to walk in the freedom of relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you for the price you paid to make me yours and to make me free. Before we open our eyes, if anybody prayed that for the first time, just so you know, our our team takes that really seriously. We we love to pray for people throughout the week who prayed that for the first time. And so if you just look me in the eye real quick, we want to keep you in prayer this coming week. 
So anybody here for the first time ask Jesus to be your savior? Anybody just look me in the eyes? See you guys. Cool. Thank you, God. Just continue your work, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done today. Amen.